So this passage of, of Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 25, I, I hadn't ever looked at it in the extent that I looked at it um, in preparation for this. And I, as I read it once, I was like, okay, this is interesting. What am I going to draw out of this? Read it again, still, okay, what, are you, what is God trying to tell us through this? And I, and I read it again, and, and slowly and slowly, as if like lights coming on, I, I, I see different things bark out at me. And it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating what God could teach us through such simple passages in Scripture. And, and, and in here, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited by what, what God has to say to us in this thing. And so, excellently read just then. I love that. Um, and so let me just draw out some of the highlights of, 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 of what came out of that. So we see Zach, Zachariah and Elizabeth. It describes them as, as righteous and blameless before the Lord. Righteous and blameless before the Lord. So they've been, they've been praying for a son. They've been praying for a son. And, and Zechariah, he's, he's, he's a priest in the temple, and, and his role is, is they cast lots, and, and he's to go in and, and do this, this, this activity in, in, in the temple. And I was speaking to someone this week, and I was like, what significance is there here? And they said that means Zechariah was, was top of his game. He was top of his game. So he knew the stuff. So he goes in. And as he goes in, he's encountered with this angel. Angel Gabriel comes before him. And as he's standing before him, angel Gabriel says, the Lord has heard your prayer. He's heard what you've been praying about. So, so clearly Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for, for a son. And so as he explains to him that the Lord is going to bless you and give you a son, and then he describes the promise of what John the Baptist is going to do, a magnificent description of, of bringing joy and, and carving the way for, for this Jesus who's coming. And then we see Zechariah's response. response. He, he, he says, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is, in, uh, is advanced in years. And something about what Angel Gabriel says gives us an indication that it was probably the wrong response, right? So Angel Gabriel says to him, <clears throat> he, he, he justifies a little bit about why this has happened. And then he says, so casually, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And so Zechariah becomes silent. And he, he, the, the people outside are waiting for him. He comes out, and they see that he can't speak, so he's trying to signal to them what he, what he, what's just happened. He then goes home to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth has, is conceives a child. And so that's where, where we, what we have here to go on. So what is God trying to teach us here? What is the writer here trying to, trying to teach us in this, in this passage? I think there's things around prayer. I think there's, there's things to draw out around prayer. I think there's things to draw out around promise and truth and God's word. And I think there's things to draw out around response, how we respond to God's promises and what God has to say to us. So, let's first look at verse 13. It says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So they've been praying. They've been praying for a son. And, and, and interestingly, rather than just than accepting that he's been praying, and this is an incredible miracle that God is going to bring, 
So, so bearing in mind the reason they can't have a son is as Elizabeth is barren and old in age. So it's actually humanly impossible for this to take place. So it's a little bit of a surprise for, for, for Zechariah as he hears that they're about to have a child. And so I, I think there's something in this about how, how, how often can we make prayers that we, we kind of don't recognize when it's answered. We don't recognize when God responds. Just like Zechariah here, a prayer's been made and, and he doesn't recognize it. How often do we do that? We, we, pray, we often can find ourselves praying such, such big and vague prayers, right? Praying like, I don't know, um, I don't know, I can't, it just slipped my mind. But we can find ourselves praying such vague prayers. And in praying such vague prayers, it means that when it comes to life, we find that, that we, we, we can't really attribute that to, to, to much. And so I think there's something about being specific, something about knowing what you're praying about. I was down in Bristol a few weeks back seeing some friends. And, and, and my, on the way to, to seeing them, my friend was like, um, just a disclaimer, there's 300 South Koreans staying over. I was like, 300 South Koreans staying over? What the? On earth, eh? <laughs> like, um, and so... He's like, yeah, they've come over, and, and the reason they've come over is to visit the different cities in the UK to pray, to pray for the UK. And I thought, wow, what faith. And he goes on to tell me that their motto and their attitude is, you get not because you ask not. We get not because we ask not. And so I, I say, can I, can I watch like, some of their prayer sessions when they do these things? And um, he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I, I'm doing my, my, my thing there, working on some stuff. And um, my friend's dad comes. They, they, they're praying now. They're praying now. And he takes me into this room. And this, this room full of maybe 20 Koreans, because the rest of them had gone to different cities, around 20 Koreans just on their knees like this, just like crying, crying. And at the time, it was just the elections here. So they're just on their knees, just praying about the ins and outs of the elections. And I remember thinking, what faith? What faith is they do that, like praying about the ins and the outs. And it's remarkable because they're seeing answers to their prayers and they can attribute their prayers and their answers together because they're specific prayers. It couldn't have happened if it wasn't for God. And so I think we need to, to think about, okay, how is it that, that, that we know when we pray that it's God that's answering it? I think it's because we can begin praying specific prayers for names, for situations, I'm fascinated by prayer recently. God, God says we're co-laborers with him. We're co-laborers. So I was saying to the students, I'm reading a book called Celebrations of Spiritual Discipline. And it says that with prayer, we can change God's mind. And I remember thinking to myself, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we stepping on tricky territory here? Or, or can we actually change God's mind? And it begins to unpack how in Scripture, we see when a group of people pray, it changes God's mind. It changes situations. Things that weren't going to happen when, when before we prayed happened because we pray. And so I think that, that, that we can begin being a people that learn to, to, to pray for specific things. And then, and then to begin tracking those things. Because the other thing that he doesn't do here, he doesn't acknowledge it, does he? He doesn't celebrate that there's an answer to prayer. And I think there's something about celebrating when God answers prayer. There's something about celebrating when, when, when something happens and something changes when we pray. I think it honors God. It blesses God. It pleases God when we thank him. Just imagine it. You, you, you have a friend who asks you for something or, or a parent or whatever relationship. 
It's rude, isn't it, if, if, if you're given something and you don't say thank you? Why do we, why do we um, have inconsistent principles when it comes to our relationship with God? I think we need to wake up to that. That in this, in this, there's something precious around prayer, about tracking our prayers, celebrating prayers, being specific so we know when God's at work. And we talk to him in a way that he is real. He is real. He's not a, 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 a weird being up there that, that just only listens at certain times. He's, he's a friend, and he wants to hear our prayers. I was saying I grew up in, in, in an Anglican tradition, an and Anglican church, which was quite quiet and, and mellow. And, and actually, um, I went to a few Pentecostal churches, and I like it when, when the congregation engages. So I don't know what you're used to, but can we try that out a little bit? Um, maybe smile and, and give me some amens, you know what I mean? So, so, so I feel like I might be going in the right direction. Um, but I think there's something exciting in this. Let's get excited about it. Let's, let's get excited by this, that God wants to speak to us through his word, that he wants to speak to us about prayer and promises and how we respond to that. One bit of bad news is I forgot to start the timer. So... Um, Lock the doors. <laughs> so, I feel we need to begin praying. Specific prayers. The second thing I want to draw out is around promises. In verse 14, Angel Gabriel goes on to unpack what, these prom- what this promise is around John the Baptist. And this is what he says. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts, and the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Wow, what an exciting promise. What an exciting promise that this is what John the Baptist is going to go on to do. Isn't it funny that, that God, God it seems to, to, to make promises off the back of prayers. So, so they've been praying this, and God blesses them and gifts them with this off the back of prayer. I find it so interesting that that tends to be the case when we begin to engage with God. He begins to engage with us and and speak to us and gives us promises. This is an exciting promise. And I believe that God wants to give us exciting promises too. He wants to gift us with things. Just being on the weekend away, God has gifted us with incredible promises as individuals and as a group. Incredible promises. And as I said at the start, I'm excited of what's coming out. Of, of, of the students as they, they came before the Lord. They came before the Lord and they asked him to speak. They opened up their hearts and God spoke. He spoke about speaking to individuals. Their voice would be open. Unbelievable pictures. For others, they would, they would be bringers of joy and life and light into the city, into the city places. For others, it was generosity. Generosity. And demeanors changed as they spoke out about this stuff. How exciting. How exciting that when we choose to to pray and speak to God, he chooses to speak to us. And and there's something amazing about that. In Matthew 7, 11, it 
He says, it says this. Jesus says this. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, your Father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Give good things to those who ask him. I believe the Father in heaven is, is, is wanting to give good gifts. He, is, he wants to lavish good gifts upon us. He wants to make promises with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to bless us. I believe that's his heart. He wants to speak truths and promises upon us. I remember um, just... Um, he does it in different ways, whether it be through, through, through people, through scripture, through nature. I remember, so I, as I said, I grew up in Ethiopia. I grew up in Ethiopia. We, my father had moved out there as a civil engineer to, to, to work as an engineer but serve the poor, including myself. And um, we lived out there. Life was good. Life was real, real good. And uh, we planned to move to the UK for education. And, and, and our plan was to, to come here, and education wasn't too good out there. But before we came, my, my dad had a business trip. And en route to this business trip, the plane that he was on got hijacked. And, and the plane came crashing down, and he was killed. He was killed. So at seven years old, you lose your father, and, and, and the legs from under you come crashing under you. And so I remember at that time, it was tough. You think, what, what do we do? What's next? And I remember asking my mom, like, what are we going to do? And I remember, like, my mom turning to scripture and, 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 and opening up the scripture and for the, her eyes falling on the verse of, I am father to the fatherless, husband to the widow. I am father to the fatherless and husband to the widow. That is a promise that God made to our family there and then. We had, we had um, bills to pay. We had education fees to, to fulfill. And miraculously, my mom would find in, 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 in weird places just gifts of, of cash that, that just covered the amount exactly. Found people coming and helping in, in areas that we needed desperate help in. God gave us a promise. God gave us a promise that he would be father to the fatherless and husband to the widow. And to this day, he's kept his promise. In scripture, he speaks to us. As we open up his word, he chooses to highlight stuff through his Holy Spirit and speak to us. But he also speaks to us through each other. And through people, we saw it perfectly depicted, didn't we, on the weekend away, as God had words for one and, and others had to share to, to others. It's beautiful. And I, I'd love for this church to be a culture where we look out and see what God wants to say to each other, what God wants to speak into each other's lives and, and speak life and truth and freedom. He is, he is desperate to give good gifts to us. Let's be open to that. Let's be ready to hear his voice in that. And then I think he also wants to speak to us through nature and things. I remember 16, 17 years old, I, I'd, I began taking my faith seriously. And, and, and one evening at 2 a.m., I just felt God wake me up in the middle of the night. And, and weirdly, like, like I felt a sense that I should go for a walk. Crazy, I know. So I'm going for a walk in London. And um, as I'm walking, I just look up to the sky. And I just feel a sense of... Um, and, and we had a great conversation, Ali and I, at, at dinner. And it was, how do you know if God's speaking to you or it's you? And the fact of the matter is, I'm not 100% sure. I just got this sense that that's what I should do, and so that's what I did. And as, as I'm walking out there, and, and I get to this lamppost, and I look up, I see, these, I see this sky, unbelievable sky, and I see one star. 
I see one star and I get this incredible sense that God is saying, that's you, my son. That's you. And, and I, it just moves me. It just moves me. And I think, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And, and I get my notepad out and I just start writing. God, you've spoken to me. Thank you. And then I look back up and the star's gone. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, what? Did I hear you wrong? Like, it's no longer there. Um, whoa, okay. And, and it confuses me because I, I was pretty certain that that was God saying to me, that's you and I'm pleased and you're shining. And then, and then as I think, and I'm, I'm a bit confused, I look back up and that star has come back brighter than ever with so many more stars out in the sky. And I felt that God was saying, look, this is going to be your story that, that you, will, you think that you go away for a while. And then you come back with so many more stars and, and, and you, you bring others back into the light. And, and I've, been, I've been slow to share that story because I, I, I think sometimes we think that humility is, is not screaming about how, how, how good things are. But actually, I, I think I need to, to speak about that stuff. Someone said a wise thing, which was false humility, um, false humility, uh, okay, great quote, eh, if I can't remember it. <laughs> Um, false humility surrenders authority, and false authority surrenders humility. And there's something profound in that. And, and I want to I boast in this because it's in, in Jesus that I'm boasting here. That, that I am seeing that this picture that I felt God give me come to life in different ways. And so I feel God speaks to us in nature. We just need to engage. Just need to engage. Go out and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And I believe he wants to speak to us. So he speaks to us in different ways. He speaks to us when we engage and off the back of prayer. How does he do it? Through scripture, through people, through nature, through things. And then it's interesting here that in, in Luke, that, that angel Gabriel says at the end of verse 20, it will be fulfilled in their time. These things will be fulfilled in their time. It's in God's timing. So there's patience that needs to occur. It's in God's timing that this stuff happens. So that's some, that's some incredible stuff around prayer. And then finally, and this is where it heats up. This is Zechariah's response. This is where he gets it wrong. And what does he say? He says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. He questions angel Gabriel. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because the next chapter, the same thing, similar situation with Mary. Mary is to have a child, virgin birth, and she is to bear a child. Again, Humanly impossible scenario. And what does she do? She asks a question. She says, how can this be? How can this be? And what does the angel do? He goes on to explain. He doesn't go on to silence her or rebuke her. So what's the difference in the questions between these two? Zechariah says, how shall I know this? And Mary says, how can this be? Well, the difference is, Mary asked for an explanation, and Zechariah asked for more evidence. Zechariah asked for more evidence, whereas Mary asked for an explanation. God wants us to engage. If things don't make sense, Mary's like, how? how, how? I, I, believe, I believe it's going to happen, but how? I can't. I, I'm, I'm a virgin. And so I think it's all right for us to, to, to ask questions, and God wants us to engage in, 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 in conversation and, and, and do that. But the difference with Zechariah is he hasn't approached it with a humble and open heart. And he's asked for more evidence. He wants more. The angel Gabriel is standing before him. He's standing before him. 
And I, I think we can find ourselves in similar situations where, where God is clearly speaking, but we're like, um, I can't quite hear your audible voice right now, so I think I'm going to just put this one on the shelf till you come back and speak to me in a clearer way. What's that about? I think we need to begin to have humble and open hearts to hear his voice. Humble and open hearts to hear what he has to say. It's all right. To, I think, I think it, we're not talking about blind faith here. I think it's all right to, to want evidence. But when there's enough evidence there and you seek more, it's a sign of unbelief. We see Abraham in a similar situation. God says, I'm going to give you a multitude. They, they, they respond in very different ways. Abraham believes it and thanks the Lord, and that is credit to him as righteousness and faith. Whereas Zechariah, not so much. So, what else do we see in this, in this place? What does he do? He goes on to say, For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. He looks at his circumstance above the promise. He looks at his circumstance above the promise. And, and as I was thinking about this and writing this, this was the bit that stirred me up the most. This was the bit that really I felt was, was something that was for you as a church in this city. I, I, I think if we look at uh, uh, the circumstance over God's promises for us, we're going to be robbed. We're going to be robbed of what is due. As he, as he look, if we look to circumstance, we will be wrapped up in fear. I feel that there's a great, great picture in Peter stepping out the boat. As he looks to Jesus, as he looks at Jesus and, and who Jesus is, he's able to, to, to step out in a humanly impossible situation and walk on water. And then the moment he looks at his circumstance and sees the waves are crashing in around him, what happens? He begins to sink and Jesus grabs him. And similarly, if we find ourselves wrapped up in circumstances, wrapped up in the situation that we're in, I feel we'll be robbed of hope. We'll be robbed of hope. And how desperately does this nation and this city need hope? How desperately does it need a group of people who have their eyes set on Jesus, carving a new way, pioneering, showing there is a better way? Climate change. Without God, I don't know how we're going to see things resolved if we look simply at our circumstances. The multitude of institutions wrapped up in selfishness. Unless there's people carving a new way and looking at hope and looking to Jesus to show us what it is he wants to speak to us and gift us with and look for promises in his word for how he wants us to do things, where will we find hope? Families, the number of children that need adopting and fostering. If we look at the current situation, where is hope? And if we go, Jesus, what have you called us to? You have called us to, 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 to become like you. And more than anyone, who should know more about adoption than us? We've been adopted into the family of Christ. And, and, and I think the stats are something like, there's enough people to, in, the, in the church to adopt every single child that needs adopting. Let's wake up to the needs. The homeless. The homeless who, who need somewhere to stay. Where is hope? It's in Jesus. The sick, the physically and mentally ill. Circumstances and situations after situations, you will know of people who are ill and unwell. If we look at the circumstance and get wrapped up in the circumstance, we will find ourselves crippled. 
we'll find ourselves hopeless. Violence, unrest, we look at the Middle East, the news that is going on. It's tragic. It's tragic. And, and some of the situations so complex in nature that if we look at the circumstance, wow, where's the answer going to come from? And so I think we need to look at the promise. We need to look at truth. We need to look at God's word. And this, this should be a conviction for us all because when times are hard and things are rough for us, do we hold to the thing that, that, that hold to the promise that God is working all things to the good of those who love him? Often we need a glimmer of hope or a glimmer of light for us to wake up. Let us learn to look to the promises rather than the circumstances. Let's live life focused on promises, not circumstances. For that is how the history makers and the game changers did things. Wilberforce, if he looked at the situation, slavery would have never been abolished. But what did he do? He looked to the promise of Jesus. He looked to who Jesus was and saw the unjust nature of it all and fought to eradicate it. Fought to eradicate it. That is why, that is why we need to look to the promise. Because this world needs it. This world needs it. And then finally, what is the rebuke? What is the rebuke for him? It's to be silent. It's to be quiet. Until he acknowledges that there is a child to be born called John. And there's something about silence, I think. Some of us talk too much, don't we? There's something about silence here that I think we need to look to. In silence, we learn to listen. In silence, we learn to listen and acknowledge what's going on. We begin to be, become a bit more aware. And I think there's something in this situation where, where he is made silent, that he's able to just dwell on and, and learn to be able to hear God's voice again. I feel as a church, as a congregation, God wants to teach you guys about what it looks like to listen again, what it looks like to, to hear his voice again, what it looks like to hear what he's saying, because he's, he wants to give you gifts. He wants to bless you with promises. And then in that place again, we learn to, to, to ask, but not only ask, to acknowledge. We learn to acknowledge. When, when Peter, when, um, totally wrong guy, when Zechariah, <laughs> when Zechariah acknowledges what's gone on, he begins to speak again. And so, as I come to the end of this, I, I just want to just, just um, hear what God wants to say to you all. What is he saying to us? God wanted to gift and bless Zechariah and Elizabeth. But it wasn't a, a blessing simply for them. It was a blessing for the world. As this John the Baptist carved the way for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And similarly, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you gifts. But it's not for you to keep. It's for the city and this nation. It's to point to Jesus and say there is one coming. There is one who has come. And so it's not just for, for, for your sake that we learn to listen and ask. But it's for the sake of this city. It's for the sake of this nation. So maybe just... We can just listen for a second. And maybe the band can come back up. Um, 
We can just imagine being silent for, it was at least five months. It was more than five months. Can you imagine being silent for that long? You can begin hearing God's voice again. Begin hearing God's voice again. And I feel for some of us here, God, God wants to, to give us that ability to hear his voice again. That ability to, to learn to ask and to know what to ask for, for specific things. I'm, when, I, when I say specific, I don't mean dream small. I mean dream in a way that you can tangibly see the outcome. That's what I'm saying. Dream big. God wants to bless us with dreams that are bigger than ourselves. He wants to, 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 to see institutions redeemed. He wants to see this city redeemed. He wants to see the lost saved, the blind seen again, those that are chained free. And he wants to use us. He wants to use us. So maybe all of us can just close our eyes right now. And try not to sleep. Just close your eyes right now. I praise you, God, that you want to bless us with good gifts. You are a loving Father. You are a loving Father. Some of us need that perspective redeemed. He is not a, a, a huge being out there that just looks to smite us when we do something naughty. But rather, he is a loving Father that cares for us, that wants to bless us with good gifts. God, come right now. Would you just meet with us? Meet with us, Father. What promises has he got for you? What promises has he already given you that you've forgotten about? What has he said to you in the past that has transformed and blown you away that you've, you've kind of let go of? You've kind of let go of. Sometimes it's safe to just put it on the side because you don't want to face the fear that it might not come true. It's too risky sometimes. Oh, come on, let's live, let's live a life of risk. Let's live a life that truly understands who he is and what he has for us. Yes. God, would you come now? Would you meet with us again? Would you meet with us again, Father? Young and old. Young and old, Father. Would you come and meet with us again? You want to give us good gifts. You have promises yet to, to, to make for, for many of us here. Some, think, some of you think that you're past it. I want to tell you that is not true. Do not believe the lie. God has so much for you. So much for you. So much yet to do. So many more promises to give. Father, would you come now, and particularly those people that that thought crossed their mind, would you come in and speak? Speak to them right now. And as you think and listen to him, just, just, just listen to his still small voice. What is that promise? What is that promise? What is that thing that he's placed on your heart that he has made you passionate about? that he has made you passionate about, that he wants to speak to you about again? What's that passage in scripture that wrecks you every time you read it? What's that passage in scripture that speaks volumes to your spirit and your soul? 
He wants to remind you again, refresh you again. God, would you come now by your spirit? Would you speak to us? Would you speak to us for the sake of us and for the sake of this city? For the sake of us and for the sake of this city, Edinburgh. Edinburgh needs you. He needs you to, 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 to be asking for dreams and visions. Edinburgh needs you to, to, to be seeking his, his voice. Oh God, would you come now? And I'm not sure um, how this church usually responds to, to prayer or, or ministry time, but I, I think in a second I'd, I'd love to just invite some of you who, who, who have had visions and dreams that you just put on the side to, to, to just come to the front and, and for some of the, the leadership team and the prayer team to just come and pray for you. For others, the, this message really stirred up something. And you're not exactly sure what, and I'd love for us to pray for you as well. And for others, it's you want, you, you desire this. You desire to be able to hear God's voice. You desire to, to, to want to be able to hear him speak. You want promises. You want to be able to, 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 to put into practice everything that you've heard this evening. And we want to pray for you as well. So maybe if we all just get to our feet right now. And if... Mm. first day of Christmas and we should give thanks for that for Jesus Christ come and hurt just for you to to have salvation mm. and we're supposed to be talking about Christmas and serving God and put his faith in him because Jesus says like a fig tree you can say to, to the fig tree to a mountain move and it shall be moved you can say to Satan right now move and it will be moved mm. In this country, we need survival, not just from yourself, but from others who come and invade and, and take justice for themselves. My God will reign because today is Christmas, the first day of Christmas for 11 months, 12 months we have heard about Jesus' birth and it's the right time to speak about his birth, yet we're hearing something different. So pray hard. Praise God for that message. Praise God for that message. Thank you. Thank you. And what a great reminder. What a great reminder, eh? That, that, that all of this is because of Jesus. We do this because of Jesus. And, and as we sing in a second, those of you who want to respond to the message of Jesus, as wonderfully put by that lady, that Jesus did come. He came, not just for Christmas, but for the whole year. He came, he died, and he rose again. So that if we put our faith in him, we may be saved. That's the beginning point. That's where it all starts. And this is no contradictory message. This is a message that partners itself with that. That hope become, begins with Jesus. Begins with Jesus. John the Baptist came to point to him. And so that is our stance, to point to Jesus. Thank you for that. So right now, if you want to respond to anything that was said this evening, just make your way to the front and, and it would be great for us to, to pray for you this evening.
Don't worry about knocking people out the way as you come out the aisle. We're family, eh? <laughs>